Good afternoon, I'm Al Cresta, and uh, tonight the President will deliver a speech on the epidemic of gun violence and urge Congress to pass common sense gun reform measures. Yes, we have been here before. Um, Now, part of the problem with getting older is there's a temptation to cynicism, right? We see, we've seen through this before. Not a good attitude. It's not a good attitude. Younger people pick up on it all the time, too, and they don't want to be cynical about life. So let's go over, and we're going to hear a lot about gun control and gun violence. Uh, it's a topic that it, it it's a topic that deserves our attention. Uh, advocates, activists are going to step forward. There's going to be solutions proposed. There's going to be distortion of facts. Media outlets are going to report on these tragedies uh, that we see, and look, their editors and their ombudsmen are always going to agonize about how they're going to arrest audience attention, but we don't want to look like opportunists, uh, but we we know if it bleeds, it leads. Uh, And the truth is, look, the truth is consumers like crime stories. That doesn't necessarily mean they like violence, but it it means they like crime stories. I looked at a survey of the top 100 podcasts. It's just a few months ago I saw it. I'm not exaggerating. I counted down the top 100. Half of them were true crime podcasts. I mean, it's amazing. (laughs) With all the world has to offer in the arts and sciences and travel and geography, novels, short stories, music of all sorts, history, religion, spirituality, 50% of the most popular podcasts deal with true crime. Who would have thought, right? So I'd like to start with a few facts that are in the category of who would have thought to keep in mind these things tonight as President Biden uh, speaks. The first who would have thought is a fact that's so obvious but is not often recognized because it doesn't serve the political rhetoric of one side or the other in these disputes. Look, America is not, this is fact number one, America is not divided between those who support gun control and those who oppose it. The truth is that everybody supports some restrictions on gun ownership, uh, and everybody, virtually everybody, supports some liberty to own guns, right? For, For haunting, for heaven's sake. So I hope the president doesn't divide the nation needlessly into, I'm for gun control, I'm against gun control. We can do everyone a favor by pointing out that the phrase gun control is actually pretty meaningless. The question was always going to be, what kind of controls are you talking about? I mean, do you know anyone who thinks toddlers should have guns? Or that liberty is served by allowing paranoid schizophrenics to own guns? No, I don't know anybody who believes that either. Those who consider themselves champions of, quote, gun control usually don't have a problem with guns used for hunting. And those who consider themselves opposed to, quote, gun control don't oppose background checks that eliminate the mentally ill or the underaged. So again, I hope he doesn't waste time dividing us into two unreal camps. 
The question is always much more difficult. It's about what kinds of controls are acceptable given America's concerns for liberty, given our uh, cultural understanding of the role of guns, and the Supreme Court's understanding of the Second Amendment. So, here's a second fact that falls in that who would have thought categories. Did you know that anywhere from 54 to 70% of gun deaths are deaths by suicide? Less than 50% of gun deaths are murder. Now, is that a significant fact when we begin discussing gun, quote, gun control? I think so. Uh, I've had the sad experience of knowing a few people over the course of 40 years who died by their own hand using a gun. And in all cases, these were legally obtained guns. What laws could have prevented those deaths? That's a very good question because we always should ask, what proposed law actually prevents the evil we're trying to limit? Passing of laws, always remember this, when you pass a law, you are saying what you are willing to force people to do or not do. The passage of laws always indicates coercion. So we don't pass laws needlessly. A third fact has to do with these um, AR-15s that we're hearing about so much. You often hear people say that an AR-15 is only used to kill humans. It's not used to hunt. That's false. People do use AR-15s for hunting purposes. A a bill that legalizes uh, using AR-15 rifles for deer hunting in Iowa, or at least a certain type of uh, AR-15 rifle, one that uses a a, a .223 caliber, uh, has a .223 caliber chamber, that just passed uh, in Iowa, and Governor Reynolds is going to sign it. Okay, Now, I'm going to leave it to hunters to decide if the increased power and distance uh, this uh, gun gets. Is that sportsmanlike or not? I don't know. I'll leave my sons hunt, and I'll leave them to decide if it's fair to deer, all right? But you can take down a deer from five, six, seven hundred yards with one of these AR-15. The fourth fact is that the Supreme Court has already settled the question of whether or not there's a constitutional right to individual gun ownership. I still hear people run around saying they oppose a right to individual gun ownership because they say the Second Amendment only permits gun ownership in the context of a well-regulated militia. Well, at first glance, that might appear so. So here's the Second Amendment. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Now, this question of whether an individual has a right to keep arms based on the Second Amendment was settled in 2008 in the District of Columbia versus Heller case. It's a landmark Supreme Court decision which ruled that the Second Amendment protects an individual's right to keep and bear arms, unconnected, unconnected with service in a militia, as long as keeping arms is for traditionally lawful purposes. And then two years later in McDonald versus City of Chicago, the uh, Heller ruling was applied to the states, all right? And the Heller decision also made it clear that the Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms is not unlimited. It's not an absolute right. I mean, it's not a right to keep and carry any weapon whatsoever, in any manner whatsoever, for whatever purpose. States have legitimately prohibited concealed weapons. States uh, have for 
forbidden the carrying of firearms in sensitive places like schools and government buildings. States prohibit felons and the mentally ill from possessing firearms. States can also consider the fact that the kinds of guns available today are vastly more powerful, more accurate, more reliable than those in the 18th century when the Second Amendment was written. And states can take into account the danger involved in certain types of guns and whether ownership is permitted or not. So, SCOTUS, Supreme Court of the United States, makes it clear there is an individual right uh, to own guns. But, of course, as with all rights, it's not absolute. Another one of those uh, who would have thought facts concerns mass shootings. Now, mass shootings refers to an incident in which there are four deaths. So in 80% of mass shootings, the guns were obtained legally. And I'll just throw in something else. Almost never does an armed civilian fire back. All right? That's, I think a lot of people would be surprised to realize that 80%, in 80% of mass shootings, guns were obtained legally. And there's nobody there to fire back. Okay? Um, and here's another who would have thought fact. It is a fact that researchers don't know, but would love to know, how those who commit gun crimes come to possess their weapons. Now, we know about it in certain celebrated cases, the case of John Hinckley, for instance, who shot President Reagan. We know how he got his guns, and we know how uh, Mark David Chapman, who killed uh, John Lennon, how he got his guns. By the way, both were obtained legally. And let me throw in, uh, well, just flesh that out a bit. We don't know what we need to know. And researchers who spend their life trying to figure this out, they don't know the answers either. Just about every gun starts out as a legal gun, of course. But how they end up being used by criminals is hard to say. We don't know how weapons move in a society, so we can't know how best to limit movement from legal to illegal use. I'll throw in one more fact of special concern to Catholics here. And uh, I'll say more on this uh, in the future, near future. Matter of fact, I might ask Jimmy Aiken from Catholic Answers to come on and join me on this because he's actually, about six years ago, he spent a lot of time, you might say, ransacking the church's uh, archives to discover whether there is a teaching of the universal magisterium on this issue of gun ownership. And he discovered that at the time, there were no statements of the universal magisterium, that is the Roman pontiff and the worldwide college of bishops teaching in union with him, that even deal with the ownership of firearms by ordinary, responsible individuals. Uh, You don't find any statements on it from the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith. The only relevant statement from a body connected with the Holy See, and this document is not even on the Vatican website, is back in 1994, there was a document titled The International Arms Trade and Ethical Reflection by the Pontifical Commission for Justice and Peace. Um, and I'll read part of it here. All of us must do more to end violence in the home and to find ways to help victims break out of the pattern of abuse. As bishops, we support measures that control the sale of firearms and make them safer, um, especially efforts that prevent their unsupervised use by children or anyone other than the owner. And we reiterate our call for sensible regulation of handguns. Now, there's a footnote to it, which actually gets more controversial. Uh, Within the footnote, it says, um, however, we believe that in the long run and with few exceptions, that is police officers, military use, 
handguns should be eliminated from our society. Now, uh, again, this is in a document from 1994, which you can't even find on the Vatican website. So I think it's fair to say we're not going to get some sort of definitive ruling from the Holy See or from the Universal Magisterium on this question. So tonight, the president is going to make his case, expect it to be challenged, and Catholics will have to exercise the virtue of prudence because we don't have the argument from authority. It means we have to discern the true good in every circumstance and choose choose the right means of achieving it. The prudent man looks where he is going. Prudence is right reason in action, said St. Thomas Aquinas following Aristotle. It's not confused with timidity or fear or duplicity or dissimulation. It guides all the other virtues by setting rule and measure. It guides the judgment of conscience. That's what we have to rely on.